Hey, I hope this week, whenever you saw the three dots on your phone, you thought of me, right? Maybe if you did, put a like in the comments, or I think there's a three dot emoji. You could throw that in the comments right now. That's part of my goal, that you would think of me whenever you see uh, those three dots come up. We're, we're in a series where we're talking about waiting for a message, not just from somebody that's texting us, but the times that we have to wait on a message from God. I, I want to take a little bit of a different angle this Sunday uh, because sometimes it's not so much that we're waiting on a message. It's more that we've already received a message from God. We just didn't like the message. We are hoping that we're going to get another message because the one that God just gave us is not the one we wanted to get. And so we're hoping if we wait long enough, God will send a new message. Like I wanted a yes and I got a no. So I'm hoping that I can negotiate with God and maybe switch him back to a yes or uh, I, I wanted to get a message from God that that said you should stay where you are, but I got a message that said I should leave, or, or I want to leave. I, I want to try something new, but God's giving me the message that I'm supposed to stay. You see, sometimes it's not that we didn't get a message from God. Sometimes it's that we didn't like the message that we got. And so if we scrolled back up in the conversation, like on our text messages, if we scrolled back up in the text messages, it was a very clear message that we got. We're just hoping that we get a new one that cancels that one out. Right? We don't want to listen to that message. We want to get a different message. And, 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 and sometimes we try to negotiate with God, right? Are you sure? Do you really think that's a good idea? What if we thought about it this way, God? Maybe you would change your mind. We had someone come to our house this week about a repair that we need to get done, a repair, some things that need to be done in our driveway. And so, so this guy comes out and, and he's going to measure and he's going to look at the, the situation at, uh, at, our, at our home. And, and I knew where this was going. Like before he ever arrived, I knew ultimately where this day this meeting was going to end up before he took any measurements uh, before he started making friendly conversations you know to get me to like him like they do and before any of that started I knew where we were heading in that he was going to want me to sign a contract that day right he was going to want me to give him a check that day and, and this was a big company it's a reputable company it's a, it's a good company guy was a nice guy sure enough he did his whole deal ran his numbers and then came inside opened up his laptop I got to watch a little video of the company and and the process that they use all good stuff all all, all great information but then you know what was going to happen he was going to tell me that if I signed the contract today, I could get a certain deal. There were certain discounts that were going to happen if I signed up today. Now, the whole purpose of having him, having, having him come out was because Julie and I kind of needed to know what to plan for. 
right? We, we need to look at our budget. We needed to look at our calendar. Uh, we need to decide if we could still keep feeding our kids and pay for this repair that needed to be done. So we were just trying to get a ballpark of what we were looking at, but you know the pressure that was gonna come, right? The pressure was going to be, hey, if you sign up today, I can save you all of this money. So, so I began to say, look, this is, this is a big decision for us. You know, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it wasn't $500 either. My wife's not home, so I need to talk to her. We need to look at our budget. We need to look at our calendar. We know it needs to be done. We're probably going to use your company, but she and I need to have a conversation about this. At which time, he showed me another way that we could do it. Right? If we do it this way, then instead of you giving me 20% today, you can just put 10% down, and then we can do it this other way. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. But I still need to talk to my wife. Well, then he had a different plan. Well, I, we can do these discounts if we do it this other way, and you would only have to put this much down today and sign the contract today, and we could, we could reorganize it. We could give you 12 months interest-free if you want to do 12 months interest-free. He had a whole different uh, uh, negotiation because he didn't like the answer that I gave him, which was, not going to sign today, not going to write a check today. So he kept coming back with different approaches. At one point, after I had said, hey, I, you know, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, it looks like a great process that you have. But I need to talk to my wife about this first. So he asked, when's she going to be home? So I said, I don't know. Let me text her. Got on my phone, and I texted my wife, do not come home. Drive around until I tell you it's safe to come back home. Send. Because I knew that I was not going to give him the answer that he wanted. Right? And he could negotiate and he could come up with different offers and different discounts. He could have as many different ideas as he could possibly come up with. My answer wasn't going to change. If you've ever purchased a car, you know that you go through the exact same process with somebody who's trying to sell you a car off, off, from a dealership. You go in, you look at the car, you know how much you want to spend, you, you take it for a test drive, you come back, and then we want to go back into the office, right? Let's sit down. So you begin talking about the cost and the financing and the number of years and uh, all, all the various uh, add-ons that, that they try to get you to buy. And, and, and if you say, you know what, I want to think about it a little more, then suddenly they have an additional plan that they'll offer to you. And if you still say no, you know what's going to happen because most of you have been through this. They're going to say, let me go talk to my manager. And they're going to disappear for a little while. And then they're going to come back and say, I have never known my manager to do this. But she is offering you a deal that we have never offered anybody. She really wants to sell this car today. And so she's willing to. And then if that doesn't work, the manager's going to come sit down with you and say, look, I really want to make this work, and she's going to offer you a couple more deals. That's, that's the way negotiations work. And look, I know people have to make a living, 
Right? People have to earn money. There's nothing unethical about that. There's nothing immoral about that. It's just that when we don't get the answer that we want, we often come up with a new approach to try to change the answer or get the answer that we want. Now, we, now we can do that with God. God's already given us the answer. He's, he's already sent a message. It was clear. We understood the message. We just didn't like the message. And so we decide to renegotiate with God. There, there's an Old Testament story. It's a fairly familiar story to a lot of us. I mean, it might be new to you today, but a, a lot of us have heard this story. And it's all about someone trying to renegotiate with God. God's already given a message, and this person is running away. See, here's the problem for us. Sometimes the problem is not that we aren't getting a message from God. It's that we don't like the message we've been giving. When you read the story of Jonah, who was an, an Old Testament prophet, this is exactly Jonah's problem. God had given him a message, and the message was clear. Jonah just didn't like the message. And so Jonah decided to run away from the message that God had given him. In the Old Testament, many of the prophets are what we would call reluctant prophets. They didn't sign up for this. They didn't really want to be a prophet. That wasn't their goal when they were a little boy. I want to grow up to be a prophet. Most of the prophets were reluctant prophets. They obeyed God because that's what God wanted them to do, but they wouldn't have picked that profession. Jonah is a completely different story. He wasn't a reluctant prophet. He was a refusing prophet. I am not going to do what God has told me to do. Here's how the story starts. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. All right, let's, let's pause here for just a second. God's message, as we said, God's message or his instructions to Jonah comes right at the beginning of the story and the message is very clear. Go to Nineveh and preach against it. Now, we may not understand the details of what it means to preach against a city, but apparently Jonah understood those. And certainly, Jonah understood the direction that he was supposed to be going. He was supposed to be, he was supposed to be moving towards Nineveh, very clear. Listen, God's message made it very clear which direction Jonah should have been moving. It wasn't a mystery. I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against it. Jonah knew exactly what he was supposed to do. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. If you look at this story on a map, Jonah <clears throat> lived just north of Jerusalem. That, that, that's where he was in Israel, just north of Jerusalem. 
Nineveh on a map is up and to the right from where Jonah was living, about 550 miles up and to the right, Jonah, uh, God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go up and to the right. I want you to go up and to the right until you find Nineveh. But when you read the story, Jonah doesn't go up and to the right. Jonah goes down and to the left. Like the exact opposite direction of where God called him to go. You and I, as we, as we listen for God's voice, as, as, we, as we hear God's instructions, it can be helpful for us to frequently ask the question, which directions are my feet pointed in? Which direction is my life moving towards? What, what am I pointed towards? Am I pointed in the direction that God has called me to move in? Is, is my life moving in the direction that God has called me to live are, are my feet pointed away from God? Is my life moving away from God? It's a question that we can apply to all the areas of our lives, right? In, a, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our marriages, in our parenting. We should ask, are, are my feet pointed in the direction God's called me to? Is my life moving towards what God has called me to be or is there some area of my life, perhaps all the areas of my life, where my life is moving away from what God has called me to do, right? In, in, in my language, right? In, in the way I speak to others, in the way I treat others, in the way I interact with others, which direction are my feet pointed? If I were honest, which direction are my feet pointed when it comes to what I know God has called us to be and the way I'm actually living? Has God called me to forgive somebody and I'm running the opposite direction because I don't want to forgive that person? Has God called me uh, to seek forgiveness, to ask someone to forgive me, but my pride has caused me to turn around and run in the opposite direction? direction has has God called me to help someone and I don't want to do that I don't want the burden of that I don't want the sacrifice of that so I've turned my feet around and I'm going down into the left when God has called me to move up into the right it, it, you, see, you see in our life it's not always that we can't hear from God it's that we don't like what we've heard Instead of trying to renegotiate with God, every time we get a message that we don't like or we don't agree with or per perhaps it's going to be costly, instead of trying to renegotiate and instead of trying to say, yeah, but God, what, what about this? What, what if we do it this way? Right? What, what if we change? What, what if I agree to these terms? Will you change your mind? Why not just point our feet in the direction that God has called us to move and start moving in that way. Our attitudes, the same way. This is in August of 2020. We, we need to constantly assess our attitudes. God, are my feet pointed towards you in the way I think about other people? I, am I engaging in conflict that's moving me away from you? Am I engaging in arguments that's moving me away from you? Or is my life, including my attitude, moving towards 
you? Are, are, are the opinions that I'm sharing, do they reflect a person whose life is pointed towards you? Because if they don't, then something needs to change. We need to be, we need to be honest about our thoughts, right? Uh, are the thoughts that we have moving us towards God or away from God? Are they moving us up and to the right as God is calling us? Or are we running down and to the left with the thoughts that we're harboring about other people, uh, about the situation in our world? Uh, are we holding on the thoughts that are stealing our joy, stealing our peace, creating conflict and anger within us and within other people? Are we moving toward the people that God has called us to be? The thoughts that we have about ourselves. And sometimes the thoughts that we have about ourselves are the exact opposite of the thoughts that God has towards us. What, what we know from God's word is that God loves us. God's grace and forgiveness goes out to us. That God has a plan for all of eternity for us. God sees us as created in the image of God. And sometimes I have to ask, are the thoughts that I have about myself in line with the way God sees me, with the way God loves me, with the way God prioritizes me and values me? In all of these areas of our lives, we have to ask, which way is my feet pointing? Are they pointing in the direction of God? Or are they pointing in the opposite direction? Here's another question to ask. How long have I been resisting the direction God wants for me? Not just which direction are my feet pointing, but, but if I realize there are areas in my life where my feet, the direction of my life, is going the opposite of what God would want, I think it can be helpful to ask, well, how long has this been going on? How long have I allowed this to become a pattern in my life? It, Jonah goes down to Joppa, boards a ship, goes towards Tarshish. The Bible tells us he goes down into uh, the bottom of the ship and falls asleep. You see, there is a danger with us becoming comfortable moving away from God. The longer I resist the message of God, the word of God, the direction of God, the longer I resist that, the more comfortable I become moving in the wrong direction. So it can be uh, instructional. It can be helpful to ask, like, how long has this been going on in my life? I think there are at least two potential consequences when we resist God over time. Uh, one consequence is, my resistance is more difficult for me to detect. The longer my feet are pointed away from God, my life is moving away from God's goal for me, the longer that goes on, the more comfortable I get going that direction. Jonah is so comfortable, he falls asleep. The Bible tells us in the middle of a storm because he's just comfortable running away from God, moving away from God. The longer I point my life away from God, the more difficult it is, it is to detect those areas where I'm moving in the wrong direction. It's one of the, it's one of the reasons church is so important to our lives. And, and I know our church experience is, is a little different right now, but church 
God's people being together with other believers is so vital to reminding me of the person that I'm supposed to become. Like when, when I'm with other believers, when I hear their stories, when we pray together, when we worship together, when, when we share together, it's a reminder to me of how my life needs to be pointed towards God. Like you help keep me on the right track. And, and the more that I get disconnected from that, the more I get disconnected from the community of God's people, the easier it, the easier it is to keep walking in the wrong direction. Like there's less of a check in my life if I'm not engaging with other believers. It's, it's one of my great concerns for the season that we're in is that I think it's becoming easier and easier for people just not to be connected to a church. It's, it's becoming easier and easier for people to treat Sunday like Saturday, like just another day of the weekend. And there isn't that connecting with other believers that that keeps us all moving in the right direction it's one of the values of our community groups it's one of the the great value of being connected to a smaller group of people that you're getting to know even better because in that smaller group of people you're encouraging each other you're you're praying for one another you're laughing together you're you're shedding tears together you're walking through life together and it's such an important reminder of who God has called you to be when you connect your lives with other people that's why we're encouraging you during this season of social distancing that you connect with a community group this fall that you connect with some other believers in God's church so that you accurately assess which way your feet are moving the more comfortable we get, the longer we walk in resistance to God's plans for our life, the more difficult it is to even detect those areas. Here's a second potential consequence. The longer I move in the wrong direction, I must take drastic action to correct my course. You see, once my life, my feet are comfortable moving away from God and his purposes for my life and his calling on my life, the, the more comfortable I get in moving that direction, if I want to turn back to God often, it takes very direct and drastic decisions. I, it, it, the longer I walk in the wrong direction, the less a little tweak will help the less a small adjustment will help. When I realize this resistance to what God is telling me has taken root in my life, I very often have to take very decisive steps. I can't just sort of address that issue. I can't just kind of address that issue. I've gotten comfortable going in this way and so there may just be some things I've got to get completely out of my life right now to get reoriented around God. Maybe there are relationships. They just have to go right now. Maybe there are habits in my life. They just have to go right now because I have gotten so far away from what God has called me to be and the person he's called me to, do, to be, the life he's called me to live. I just got to move some things out of my life because I've gotten too comfortable now, now here's what I would say that sounds drastic 
I, I would tell you it is worth it. It is worth it to turn back to God. When you realize, like Jonah, instead of moving toward Nineveh, you've been moving toward Tarshish. Instead of moving up and to the right, you've decided to go down and to the left. Whatever it takes to reorient your life back toward the God that loves you, that saved you, that called you, that put his grace on you, whatever you have to do to reorient your life back to him is worth it. Whatever you have to move out of your life, it will be worth it to move in agreement with what God has called you to be and to do. Here's a a question along those lines that, that I think we need to wrestle with. What miracle am I missing because I'm resisting? What miracle am I missing because I'm resisting? Many of you know the story. Jonah's in the bottom of the boat. A storm comes up. Eventually, they figure out Jonah's the reason. Jonah's God is not happy with him. He has sent this storm on us. And and Jonah says, throw me overboard, and the storm will calm. It's, It's amazing that Jonah is at a point where he would choose death over turning back to God. Many of you know, God wasn't done with him. Jonah's swallowed by a, a giant fish. He's vomited up on the beach. And finally, Jonah agrees to go to Nineveh and do what God asked him to do. When he gets there and he preaches the message of repentance to God, the whole city changes their heart and turns toward God, receives his forgiveness. It was an incredible miracle. Like Nobody would have expected that to happen in Nineveh. This, this was a horrible group of people. This was a violent, evil culture. That's one of the reasons Jonah was running away. But Jonah finally obeys the Lord, and God performs this unbelievable miracle that Jonah would have missed if he had, keep run, if he had kept running the other way. When we ignore God's messages, even the ones we don't like, right? even the ones we wish were different. We wanted a yes and God said no. We wanted to leave and God said stay. We wanted to stay and God said leave. E- even the ones we're wrestling with, if we'll just keep walking towards God, then we will see God do great things. And the opposite is true. If my life gets pointed away from God, If my feet keep walking away from God, I'm going to miss all he's trying to do in my life. I'm going to miss the goodness and the grace and and the miracles that he's wanting to show me if I would just obey. Listen, for some of us, we're waiting on a new message when we haven't obeyed the old message. We're waiting on new instructions when God's very clearly already given us instructions. Obey. Point your feet, point your life in the direction of what God is calling you to be, who God is calling you to be, what God is calling you to do, and keep walking towards Him. If you have have never given your life to Christ, boy, that's the first big step in this whole process. 
You see, until we come into relationship with God through Jesus, our whole life is moving away from God. And maybe you don't feel that. Maybe you don't feel like you're that bad of a person, but the Bible says all of us have disobeyed. All of us have sinned, which means we're moving away from God. Our relationship has been interrupted with God. Jesus came, he lived and died and rose again so that could be repaired, so that we could turn around. It's what the Bible means by repentance. I was walking away from God and I realized I needed Jesus as my Savior. So I turned around, I I confessed my sin to him. I, I agreed that I've disobeyed God and I need the forgiveness that Jesus gives us on the cross through his death and resurrection. And my whole life now is oriented towards God. If you've never done that, that's the biggest step you can, you can make. That's, that's the, the biggest course correction you can make is I'm not going to move away from God anymore. I'm going to move towards God. See, Jesus came and lived and died and rose again as a perfect sacrifice for all of your sins, your past sins, your current sins, your future sins. Jesus came to offer forgiveness to all of our disobedience if we would just trust him, if we put our faith in him, if we would admit, yes, there are things I need to be forgiven of. And I believe that that forgiveness comes through Jesus, the Son of God, who died and rose again for me. And I want to commit my life to follow him. I don't want to just pray a short prayer. I want to give all of my life to him. I want to follow him from now on. I want my feet to be pointed in the direction of Jesus and the plans of God for my life. Listen, if you've never done that, you're missing on God's greatest plan for your life, which is to be in relationship with him. So I would encourage you, wherever you are, however you're listening to this, that you would turn to Christ, that you would put your faith in Jesus You would be forgiven of your sins and commit your life to following him. Jesus will change you forever. If you'll just tell him you want to be a follower of Jesus. We'd love to know about that. We'd love for you to email us. We'd love for you to put it in the comments. We'd love to celebrate this decision through baptism. If you're at a point in your relationship with Jesus where you're ready to go public with your faith and and be baptized, if you've never obeyed Jesus in baptism, we want to help you make that step. There's no greater decision we'll make than orienting our life, our feet, in the direction of God. Let's pray. God, help us as we are tempted day after day, week after week, year after year, instead of moving in the direction that you have for our life, to turning our feet around and moving away from that direction. God, help us to walk steadily toward becoming the person that you desire for us to be. Help us to live in the goodness and the miracles and in the story that you've planned out for us if we will obey. Help us not to run away from you. God, during this season, remind us that we need each other. This is not a solo act. Me remembering who God has called me to be, I need community for that. I need other people in my life to help me see that. So God, I pray we would renew our commitment to the body of Christ and to other believers. 
I pray for anyone who's listening and they've never surrendered their life to Jesus, that today would be the day that they would move back all of their hesitations and, and what ifs, and they would just surrender their life to you. They would turn around, repent of their disobedience, confess their sin, believe that Jesus died and rose again for their forgiveness and that he is the savior of the world. Commit to become his follower. And I pray they would do that today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.